0: Welcome back to the most accurate podcast here at Fourth and Fourth Football. As always, I'm your host, John Daigle. Joined today, which we will be here every week for you, usually on Thursday. Just today on Wednesday, with John Paulson himself. Paulson, how are you doing ahead of Week One?
1: I'm uh, doing all right. Trying to maintain the week one projections along with the draft projections because there are still p- still people finishing up their drafts. And uh, appreciate everybody coming in on a Wednesday. Yes, we will be here every Thursday tomorrow. I have a dental procedure, so I hope everybody will send some kind thoughts uh, west westward to me uh, while I'm getting that done tomorrow.
0: Request the painkillers after. That's the best part of dentist. Every week, again, we will talk about previewing every single game in this slate, in this particular show. But for this week, it's a little tougher. Obviously because, one, we don't have 2023 data. We have nothing to go off except what happened last year, and so much has happened in between then. But we can at least get you ready for week one with injuries and some early outlooks, what we think will happen to help you with start sets at least on a Wednesday. So, Paulson, before we begin, I do want to begin with Travis Kelsey and the Thursday night game, because that's the big discussion. Well, immediately, when we got off the air with Matthew Barry, bonus pod for everyone who would like to go back and listen, if you're still drafting on the most accurate podcast feed, we were talking about the Chiefs wide receiver and offensive outlook. And then of course, Travis Kelsey hyperextends his knee, which has now become a bone bruise reportedly per the fantasy doctors, bone bruises max of two weeks out. For me personally, it still pushes Travis Kelsey unless you're in tight end premium leagues outside the first round. But for those drafting, how are you viewing Travis Kelsey in drafts and for his replacement, Noah Gray, in week one?
1: Uh, Yeah, so for for drafts, I typically um, project tight ends. I did a study a long time ago. That was a couple years ago. Uh, How many average games does the a tight end drafted in the first whatever 10 rounds or five rounds plays compared to other positions for tight end. It's 14.1. So I basically ratchet down his projection to assume 13.1 games play, just have him missing an extra game. Uh, if he misses next week, then that may be one of the games he misses, you know, that I'm expecting him to miss during the season. Uh, so that did ratchet down his projections a, a bit, but he's still the tight end one overall at this point. And I agree with you, John, that he falls out of the first round, uh, knowing that he's very unlikely to play tomorrow. I think, you know, week two is in play because he's got the 10 days now to, uh, recover, but we'll see if it's, uh, if he's able to, he's, he, you know, he's a pretty durable guy. He's been kind of a warrior in terms of playing, uh, through some nicks and bruises. Uh, so we'll see if he's able to go a week two. If not, uh, you know, you do have that short-term, uh, pickup that you mentioned.
0: The short-term pickup. Noah Gray, yes. Where have you adjusted Noah Gray for Week One for Thursday, since we are assuming Travis Kelsey's out?
1: Yeah, I've I got him. Got him ranked as a you know mid-range uh, tight end too. Uh, he hasn't. We we discussed this a little bit in Slack. He hasn't done a whole lot when he's had his opportunities, as you mentioned in Slack. You know, he hasn't played a whole lot without Kelsey and without Tyree Kill. Uh, we have one game where Tyreek had a, a quiet game. Kelsey was out. And uh, Gray finished with 12 yards. So it's it's funny because you look at that box score. It was week 16, I think, of 2021. And Gray was a, i think, rookie at that point still. Uh so but you still look at it and you're just like all these random names, you know, Brian Pringle with two touchdowns, uh, Derek Gore uh with a big game receiving, 60 yards receiving. And, and you know, Mahomes ends up with 250 and three, which I think is the the bottom line here is that Mahomes is gonna find a way to complete some passes. So you might have some. People, you don't think it's going to be ending up with with bigger games, and I think maybe the receiving core picks up the slack.
0: It's as you said, yes. Not only Noah Gray has not played a single game without Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill yet in his early two year career, but this is also the highest total on the board. Maybe that falls. Maybe the Dolphins Chargers beats it out eventually as it continues to increase. And Kadarius Tony and Richie James possibly limited this one as well. So. It's a situation where, of course, if you need a Travis Kelsey replacement, it is easy. It's obviously not a one-for-one Kelsey replacement, but it's easy to pick up Noah Gray and then just start him. I think a lot of people will ask, oh, Noah Gray or Jake Ferguson, Luke Musgrave, Jawan Johnson, Hunter Henry. Keep on going down the list. And the answer is the only way we could actually find out that response is if we sat in a room full of typewriters, you and I, and had infinite amount of time to type everything. Because only infinity in our universe would actually find out the answer to that fractional point question. There is no way to know. They're all the same guy. So we all have our opinions. Some people like Jake Ferguson more. Some people like Luke Busgrave more. I just look at the Chiefs' highest team total on the entire board, and I say, cool, I'll start you since you're the same as everyone else.
1: That's not a bad plan. I mean, the Vegas has a tendency to know what's going to happen, or at least be able to predict with a high degree of certainty which games are going to be high scoring, which games are going to be low scoring. I would, I personally would go Jake Ferguson. Uh, I have him at 13. I have Gerald Everett at 11. Uh, I have Noah Gray at 16. So, as you mentioned, these are very, all very similar players. You know, these tight end twos, you're not going to get consistent production out of them. Once you do, they become tight end ones. But you're just kind of hoping they catch a touchdown. Uh, and, and you know, see five to six targets, that would be a, a win for any of these guys.
0: If Jake Ferguson, for instance, is on your waiver wire and you're in a league, which it's case-by-case case basis, everyone knows their league better than we do, you're in a league where tight ends are spare, as in if you pick up Noah Gray, then you can't just drop him in week three if Travis Kelsey then returns and find another replacement player. That's when we say, okay, Pick up Ferguson over Noah Gray because you won't find that replacement production at tight end. Otherwise, yes, we are definitely just nitpicking between eight different players. Moving on to Sunday slate, beginning with the Panthers as three and a half point dogs in Atlanta. This is the hellscape of week one because we have the lowest total on the board. Second lowest total because the Cardinals commander is still going down at 39 and a half points. Uh, the Panthers with the second lowest team total on the board. And of course a rookie quarterback on the road. So any thoughts here, beginning with Kyle Pitts who I've seen this question. We definitely are not benching in favor of Noah Gray.
1: Yeah. I mean, Pitts is, we, we discussed a little bit yesterday. It was, it's pretty rough. Um, his his usage last year and preseason usage and we just don't know uh what what he's going to do on a weekly basis with Arthur Smith calling the shots he just hasn't I mean I don't have the confidence that Smith is going to use Pitts properly as a every down player or you know 80 90 percent player uh you know look even looking at his game logs last year they were bouncing around between 50 and 70 percent uh maybe 80 here and there but uh you want your tight ends. That's that's a problem with Greg Dolchich. You know, you know he's he's listed as a tight end too. We just aren't sure he might be the Joker in that offense. But how many routes is he running compared to these guys that are you know perennial, perennially top ten, top five type tight ends? And I don't think Pitts is getting enough run, or he hasn't shown it yet to to really you know stake his claim to be a top five, top eight tight end like he's been drafted. So. That's the one thing that I'm really interested to see coming out of this week one game. Uh, And and the Falcons did invest a lot on the defensive side of the ball as well. So I can see why this total is so low. I mean, their offense isn't great. Their defenses should be improved. Panthers probably, excuse me, you could say the same thing about the Panthers. Uh, Better defense than offense right now with the rookie quarterback. Uh, So the, the total makes a lot of sense. This is kind of a game to stay away from unless you have a specific player that you need to start like a Drake London uh, like a Miles Sanders perhaps
0: for Pitts, it's not even about like being an every down player if he's not an every down player let's say like a Greg Dulcich I don't even care as long as he's running routes that's fine Uh, that's what the position is he's just looking for that volatility but for Pitts' career, it's always been, where do you get your targets? That's why he has only four top five finishes in 27 career games. Because, whereas, just look at last year. Travis Kelsey, T.J. Hawkins, and Mark Andrews, all top five in targets within nine yards of the line of scrimmage. Pitts was 35th. And Pitts has now been top two in depth of target in back-to-back years. Because he only gets deep shots, which are 50-50 balls, which means that his scoring is volatile. So is he actually going to get layups? Is he going to get easy targets? Because if not, no matter how much he's out there, he's still the same player. He's still only getting go routes and deep shots that don't lead to fantasy points. And so I think that's most important to look for in pits, even though, again, you're starting him over Noah Gray. You touched on Miles Sanders. I think that is the only player here we are having confidence in starting for Carolina this week. What are your thoughts on the wide receivers and everyone else around Miles Sanders?
1: Yeah, this is one of those you know situations where I, I'm interested to see this shake out as to who's going to be on the field with, with Bryce Young. Uh, DJ Chark has been injured. Uh, Adam Thielen apparently is looking pretty good for for Adam Thielen, but we we're not going to get the you know he's not going to be five years younger suddenly going over to Carolina. Uh, he could lead this team in targets. It's possible. Um, Jonathan Mingo, Terrence Marshall. Interested to see where these guys fit in and how, you know, who's out there 70, 80% of the time.
0: Adam Thielen also, yards per target, yards per outrun has now dipped for three consecutive seasons, uh, going the wrong way in his career with now a rookie quarterback. So I think it's a situation, the Panthers passing game to avoid altogether, Jonathan Mingo included. And then we will reassess based on who's going to be in two wide receiver sets in week two. Moving on to the Ravens at the Texans. Or Texans at Ravens. Uh Ravens, of course, double-digit point favorite over this Texans offense and a Texans defense that we just have no idea what's coming, giving all of the offseason changes, both in their coaching staff and personnel. So really what we're doing, Paulson, is trying to figure out who are we playing among the Ravens offense. Your thoughts on the Ravens passing game, and then in particular, J.K. Dobbins.
1: Yeah, Dobbins, uh seems to be alluding to a bigger role in the receiving game. Uh, he made some comments like you'll see, you know, his usage, increased usage as a receiver that has not, this team has not used their running backs in the receiving game very often uh, under previous, uh, under Greg Roman. Uh, now that Todd Monken apparently is prioritizing. We heard, did hear that early in the offseason season that uh, he was prioritizing the running backs in the passing game. And then now Dobbins is alluding to it uh, as of this week. So we might see a pickup for him in the receiving game, which would be good for his uh, fantasy floor. Uh, so I have him ranked uh, running back 16. Last year, the Texans were 32nd last in the league and adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. Uh, obviously, AFPA is not entirely trustworthy, as you uh, mentioned early in the podcast, uh, but we do it is what we have at this point. Uh, we'll know, know a lot more after week four when we can reset the numbers and have uh, 2023 data only in the system. Uh, And then, you know, looking at the Ravens receiving core, Zay Flowers has had probably the best camp in terms of buzz. Uh, But Rashad Bateman's a good player. Odell Beckman's a good player when they're both healthy. Everybody seems to be trending that way right now. So this is going to be a pretty, you know, dangerous, talented uh, three-receiver set. Assuming Mark Andrews can play, Lamar Jackson has a ton of weapons. And that's why we're expecting Jackson to have one of his best passing uh, seasons of his career. Uh, But we just don't know. How, how many of these guys are going to be fantasy starters we know andrews will be most likely but which one of these receivers or which two of these receivers can we count on, on a weekly basis
0: two is the big question and yes the drumbeat has been around running back target rate but i don't like chalking it up to the offensive coordinator i just say it's the quarterback who's not dumping it down to the running back yeah. yeah so i'll be interested to see if The Ravens, who have been bottom four in running back target rate in all four seasons with Lamar Jackson, if that actually changes or not. Uh, For the Ravens, though, I actually have flex questions because I have Zay Jones, Zay Flowers on a couple benches, but he's also with bunched up with a lot of other flex options. And I'm sure this is the case for a lot of people like a Marvin Mims. Uh, or a deeper receiver or like a fringe running back in a great game script like a Raheem Moster or a Brian Robinson. So where do you have Zay Flowers ranked among wide receivers?
1: Uh right now I am at 51, uh Bateman at 49 and Beckham at 55. So they're all bunched together. Uh you know these are these are week one projections that aren't finalized yet. Uh Houston was fourth in adjusted fantasy points allowed to receivers last year, but that was really because they were so bad against the run that teams didn't feel like they had to throw it to uh, throw it against them. So not too worried about the AFPA there. Uh, but this is one of those kind of shrug your shoulders and kind of wait to, where does, you know, where do, the, where do the chips fall in terms of snaps and routes for these three players? You know, I, the guy that I'm most intrigued by is a Flowers, but he is a rookie. And Bateman and Beckham do have a ton of, well, Beckham has a ton of experience. Bateman has some experience uh, as an advantage over Flowers, but Flowers seem to have the best camp.
0: Four, the Bengals at the Browns, both the total now at 47 and a half and both team totals continue increasing. It seems like Joe Burrow, although being listed day to day, is absolutely going to play. And I would guess he's at full strength. I bet there's a little bit of strategy going on here with Zach Taylor. So your thoughts on not the Bengals offense, because Joe Mixon and the team's target tree is concerted still, but the Browns offense and what you're doing with fringe Browns players, for instance, like a Elijah Moore. And do you see anything happening here with behind Nick Chubb, who has never had a double digit target share in his entire career?
1: Yeah, I'm sort of, a, a, you know, in the school of, you know, Donovan Peoples Jones is not just going away right now. Like I, I want to see it first before I consistently rank Elijah Moore ahead of TPJ, who had 800 yards, I think last year. Uh, seemed to seemed to click the best with Deshaun Watson uh, late last season. Uh, so, you know, I've got those two kind of right next to each other at 56, 57. And then uh, Amari Cooper up at 21. And then David Njoku, uh, you know, I have him in the top 10. We'll see. Cincinnati was pretty tough against the, the tight end position last year. But that, you know, that's not real trustworthy data at this point. Uh, I think my biggest question mark with this offense is are we going to see anything resembling Deshaun Watson of a few years ago or are we going to see a continuation of Deshaun Watson last season I know you're more bullish on him than I am Uh, Cincinnati was pretty good against the quarterback position last year so it's a good test for him at least he's playing at home and uh, he does have a good receiving core now with the addition of more
0: although the results weren't there from Sean Watson two and David and We at least know whenever Watson went under center and tied George Kittle as the only two tight ends with 40% of the red zone, red zone targets in that span. So Njoku was getting targets where it matters most. Definitely a low end tight end one ahead of Noah Gray for any questions like that as well for the Jaguars and Colts. Really interesting. Again, another total that's quietly increasing and We've had question marks about both offenses, in particular backfields throughout the year. Let's start with the Colts backfield, because that's kind of the biggest question. And I think you'll have a better answer for everyone on Friday, since Zach Moss is reportedly going to practice as of Wednesday. So right now, how are you viewing this backfield? Let's assume Moss is out.
1: Well, when I initially ran projections, Deion Jackson came in fairly high because you're assuming Moss was out. Uh, and I kind of assumed uh, Deion Jackson would see the backfield shares that he saw last year when he was in the starting role. But, you know, I'm not comfortable with that at all. I moved him down. Uh, Evan Hall, I moved up. Looking like you're probably gonna have a committee if it's just those two. If Moss is in the fold, that adds just another headache to it. And we discussed it yesterday with with Matthew that it's just a backfield to stay away from if you can. Uh, so it's really deep leagues where you're, you know, ty- you're just kind of hunting for some touches, and you want to have some some upside on your bench perhaps, or have some touches on your bench to, to plug in, in in the flex. And we did see Zach Moss uh, touch the ball a lot late last year, uh, but as we discussed yesterday, that was under different coaching uh, staff, uh, but I believe it was the same GM. So they must still like him. Uh, to a certain degree, they kept him around. And, you know, I do wonder, you know, if he's healthy, if Deion Jackson's healthy, if Evan Hull's healthy, who is the lead back in this? I don't think Evan Hull's the lead back, but he could be the passing down back. But how many targets is he seeing from Anthony Richardson, uh, whose primary ability right now, from everything I'm reading and, and, the, and the charting, is that he's a really good deep ball thrower, not real good in the short passing game. So, is, is Hall able to carve out any kind of role as a, as a third down back uh, in this offense. Like this sounds like it's going to be run heavy, run heavy, deep shot. Uh, We'll see if that comes to fruition. Um, But it's a really weird backfield for the next month until we see a game or two where somebody's consistently leading in touches.
0: Anthony Richardson also as a run, run shot player, for me, is still a low in QB1. Everyone worries about the talent or transitioning and not being a good passer, but it doesn't matter for our game. It doesn't matter for fantasy football. All we want are carries from our quarterbacks. And the fact that over the last two years, over eight carries per game in Florida, not to mention that reports are Shane Steichen is pulling plays from – high school, and collegiate playbooks. He's going to run the annexation of Puerto Rico on Sunday. Like, if Anthony Richardson ends up with 15-plus carries, that would not be shocking at all. I think that's the kind of offense we're seeing that's going to happen in Indianapolis, at least for week one, as they continue to build around him and groom him. So I still love Anthony Richardson as a low-end QB1 ahead of all these statues people are trying to put in his place. On the other side of the ball, for Jacksonville, we know the receivers are the start. We know it's Chris Kirk and... Calvin Ridley, of course, and Trevor Lawrence. But the concerns have been around Travis Etienne and his workload from the preseason. Tank Bigsby used on short yardage, Jermichael Hasty on third down. So what are your thoughts on Travis Etienne heading into week one?
1: I just want to point out a stat, though, on Anthony Richardson, just to go back real quickly. Derek Klassen's uh, 2023 quantifying quarterbacks charts, if you could find it. uh, Really good charting on all the rookie quarterbacks. And he had the second-highest accuracy uh, 20 yards plus to C.J. Stroud. He had the uh, second-highest accuracy, actually third-highest accuracy, from 16 to 20 yards downfield, and he had the second-highest accuracy from 11 to 15 yards downfield. This is where he really struggled with six in the 6 to 10-yard range where he completed apparently 45% of his passes when the average is 68 or 70 or above. So I just wanted to point that out. I mean, I don't think he's going to be a bad – have terrible passing numbers because he is able to complete downfield and they are going to take those shots after running, 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 and then throwing. So we'll, he only had
0: 455 career dropbacks. Like he's, he's Superman Trey Lance, where if it all clicks, it definitely all clicks, but are we going to see some developmental concerns? Absolutely. Not because he's bad, but because he hasn't played at all.
1: Right. And he, we're probably going to see 50, you know, to 75 yards rushing every game and maybe a touchdown. So you you have that floor to, to lean on. Uh, Yes, I'm worried about ETN. I've been worried about ETN all offseason. I think he's a very talented player. Uh, we were told he was a great uh, receiving back coming out of college, which he was. They don't use him very much as a receiver. Uh, and now we have Calvin Ridley in the fold to, to eat, eat, eat into his, perhaps, his target share. So I'm a little worried about his receiving upside. And now they also have said in the spring that they wanted, didn't want him to carry the ball too much. So they have Tank Bigsby. They have De'Aaron Johnson as well to uh you know kind of carry the load so i'm I'm just i'm just worried about his upside with uh you know you know how many touches per game is he going to average i mean he got he got by on uh being the only guy in that backfield for the most part jermichael hasty did rotate in some uh but now they've added two pretty talented backs Dearness johnson if you remember had some incredible uh advanced stats a couple of you seasons ago when he had a, a long audition as the browns runner and he just you know he he didn't have a chance at all last year with hunt and Nick chubb ahead of him and healthy uh but now he's got a chance to be a part of this backfield and tank bigby has had a really good camp as well so you know I'm generally concerned about etn's upside I think he will be a 15 touch player but uh you know as a third round pick maybe slipping into the fourth round you're kind of looking for for a higher floor at least in the receiving game which is what you get with like an Aaron Jones Uh, you have a a higher receiving floor uh, and he's not a big big touch player Uh, but you don't really have that receiving floor with ETM
0: especially because last year he had the receiving opportunity whenever they started healthy scratching and cut James Robinson ETM played 12 games he ran the 11th most routes among all running backs but he only eclipsed three targets and reached a double-digit target share in one of those 12 games. He showed he can't earn targets, at least for that year. Maybe that's different for this season, but also that could have been why they drafted, take Bigsby, who had a 15.5% target share for his career in the SEC. So, yes, certainly concerns there. Uh, But for Bigsby, for those that went 0 RB, if you are forced into that range because Raheem Mostert already went, Kenneth Gainwell went later, there's no one really to pick up who's going to get more touches – I do think Tank Bigsby gets at least eight to 10 touches and anything more would be great and concerning for ETN. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And that's been my thing all off season. You know, some people are like, well, what are you worried about Tank Bigsby when it comes to Travis ETN?" Yes, I am. Yes. (laughs) Sometimes
0: (laughs) the answer is simple. I am worried. Yes. Yeah. So uh, uh, something I've been keeping, I haven't talked to you about yet and I'm curious to get your thoughts on it because now we're moving on to the Buccaneers and Vikings is that, not long-term, of course, but I think I am worried about Jordan Addison, at least for week one, because what the Vikings quietly did was give T.J. Hawkinson the largest contract for a tight end ever. They gave Josh Oliver a $21 million contract and free agency. So although this offense was primarily 11 personnel, led the league and drop back from three wide sets last year, Like, if they gave both their tight ends that much money, does that mean more 12 personnel, two tight end sets, which also leaves only two wide receivers on the field. And at least for week one, is this a situation if that's the case where you're trusting Jordan Addison, or do you think it's early enough to where KG Osborne will still be used over him?
1: I, I think you're concerned about the, the tight end usage in this offense. I think we knew that TJ Hawkinson, I think that was the question. I, you kind of broke up. I don't know if it was Jordan Addison
0: as well for everyone.
1: Yeah. I think Jordan Addison might get off to a slow start. Uh, if he's not, the full-time number two in terms of routes. And he's, you know, like Jefferson Jefferson played behind, was it, B.C. Johnson a few seasons ago, uh, early on in the season, and everybody was worried about that. Um, so he might, he might get off to a little bit of a slow start, but he's played really well in camp. Everything's clicking there. He should play quite a bit as a third receiver at, at a minimum. Now, I have no concerns about him long-term. I don't really think. I, I think that with even with Hawkinson getting eight-plus targets per game, there's plenty of room. Uh, for Addison as a hundred plus target player with Adam Thielen out of the offense. If he's the number two option uh, as you know, the receiving core behind Justin Jefferson Uh, week one is a little dicey. I think Uh, you hit on it, but I think the the Buccaneers present a pretty good matchup uh, passing the ball. The game's at home. I don't know that this is going to become a shootout though. Uh, the, The Vikings defense is pretty bad though. So you might see Baker Mayfield have his best game of the season uh indoors against against the Vikings and this might turn into a kind of a sneaky shootout.
0: What about on the other side and the Bucks wide receivers? Because people do have decisions. So where are you ranking Chris Godwin and Mike Evans for week one?
1: Yeah, they came in pretty high because the, you know, the total uh isn't bad, 45.5. The Buccaneers aren't massive, massive underdogs. They're, you know, plus six. So uh you end up with a pretty good you know, Godwin at 27, which is a little bit higher than where he was going in, in drafts. Evans, uh, 25. So they're both, you know, fringe uh, wide receiver twos. I think most people will be starting them in, you know, three receiver leagues or, you know, three receiver plus a flex league. You're probably going to be starting him. I don't think they're bad starts this week against a really shaky uh, secondary. Uh, Baker Mayfield probably can get it done this week and at least, you know, throw two to three touchdowns and uh, maybe throw for 230 plus yards. Most of it's going to go to them. Uh, Russell Gage is out. Uh, they've got K-Dot in the tight end. Uh, maybe R- Rashad White sees a few targets, but it's going to be pretty, pretty funneled, I think, to Godwin and to, to Evans. So they, they should be fairly safe starts this week against the Vikings.
0: For the Titans at the Saints, the real injury concern here is Kendry Miller. Not that Kendry Miller himself offers value this early in the year, but if he's out... The only other running backs available with Alvin Kamara suspended for the first two weeks are Jamal Williams and Kirk Merritt. So what that tells me, Paulson, is Jamal Williams, especially if Miller's out, is going to be a twenty twenty-five touchback.
1: For sure. If Miller's out, you know, Williams will move up the rankings. I think, you know, we were looking at Kendry Miller as a player that might have some value in the first month of the season because Kamara's out. But if he's not healthy enough to play, obviously that takes him off the, the table. And you have this new back coming in who is a grinder, and he could handle 20 touches. He's also a better pass catcher than the, the Lions really gave him credit for. They didn't use him much as a receiver last year, but the Packers did, and I, I watched it, and he's solid as a receiver as well. So he could he could play all three downs and handle 20, 22 touches uh, per game if, if Miller's not there to, to spell him.
0: PrizePix is North America's largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform and one of the most exciting ways to play DFS. And best of all, PrizePix is simple. Just choose between two to six players and pick more or less than their PrizePix stat projection. It's that easy, and you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. But it doesn't stop there. PrizePix even offers in-game projections. Imagine gathering at the house watching football with all your friends and building an entry to cheer for together with more Devonta Smith receiving yards or less Justin Fields rushing yards. Now you can. Just go to prizepicks.com accurate and use the promo code accurate to match your first deposit up to $100. PrizePicks, daily fantasy sports made easy. How are you parsing? DeAndre Hopkins and Traylon Burks on the other side of the ball, given that Burks has practice and looks t- good to be ready to go for week one.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think all along, once Hopkins joined this uh, team, I you know slated him as the wide receiver one. I think he'll be able to earn those targets. He was earning those targets last year uh, with the Cardinals. Uh, the Titans signed him for that reason. So I have him as the solid wide receiver one uh, for that team. Now that makes him a wide receiver two Uh, fantasy wise and then Burks is just I think coming off of this injury I don't see him as a real solid start right now I want to see it first uh, before I you know recommend that uh, managers start him Uh, but he did you know showed some some flashes last year and has a chance this is going to be a very run heavy offense you know how many pass catchers along with the tight end there do they uh, really have that you know can support three fantasy starters or two fantasy starters in the passing game. We know Hopkins will likely be one. We know Henry's a solid start, but after that, I have some questions.
0: Yeah, I mean, we say Henry's a solid start. Uh, Henry's a player we're definitely starting, but for this matchup, uh, if does he get game scripted out? Maybe that's the concern here. But again, we're still playing him. And for Ryan Tannehill, I I do think it's interesting if someone's really desperate, has lost a quarterback and two quarterback in Superflex leagues since they did release Todd Downing, last year's OC, and maybe that's the reason why this team averaged the slowest pace of any offense in the NFL and was bottom four and pass play rate from neutral game script. Like maybe we see a little bit of a change and now we swap out Robert Woods for DeAndre Hopkins. We're indoors in week one, so... I do think Tannehill is kind of sneaky if you're desperate here. Four.
1: Oh. Yeah, I was just going to say Tannehill was one of my favorite late-round guys a couple seasons ago, but he once he lost A.J. Brown, it was tough. So he was kind of behind the eight ball with his receiving core. But now he's got a decent one. If, if Burks emerges, Hopkins is still pretty solid. Maybe he's got some upside at tight end. Uh, there's a chance. And he he does run a little bit as well. So also shout out to Jay Lizard for the $20 super sticker. I saw that pop up. Thank you, sir.
0: 49ers at Steelers. And boy, do we have question for the Niners? Because not only Nick Bosa expected to miss this game due to a holdout, George Kittle dealing with an ongoing groin injury and may not play. There is no direct replacement for George Kittle. Like this is not a situation like Noah Gray, where you go out and pick up Charlie Warner, since Warner has eight career receptions since 2020, and none last year, a sixth round pick. We do not care about Charlie Warner. I think what happens, Paulson, if George Kittle's out, basically the targets become a little more easy to decipher between the big four, Christian McCaffrey, or big three, Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, and Devo Samuel. Other than that, though, what do you think about Steelers offense and any other fallout for the 49ers?
1: This might be a sneaky over, uh, you know, the, the, 49ers can score if the Steelers offense takes a step forward, which it appears uh, in preseason that Kenny Pickett uh, has made some progress. He had the highest passing grade at PFF for the preseason for what it's worth uh, started throwing some touchdowns, which was the big bugaboo last year. Uh, so this was, this might be a, you know, with Bosa, Still not reporting. Uh, maybe this 49ers defense isn't quite as good as we're expecting. And there's some, there's some points put up here. Uh, this is the Steeler offense is one that's I'm kind of getting behind. Uh, Deontay Johnson, obviously really talented. Uh, Pickens is great with the contested catch. Pat Firemouth, really solid. 61 yards per game with uh, Kenny Pickett last year in the, in the nine games that he played at least 50% of the snaps. So uh, they also added Allen Robinson. They got Kel- Kelvin Austin, who's played well in camp. Uh, a couple of passing, uh, pass catching backs, uh, capable uh, out of the backfield. So yeah, uh, the, the Steelers are. Int- I'm interested to see this offense. I'm also interested to see uh, Brock Purdy play. I'm interested to see Christian McCaffrey. His splits with uh, with Mitchell, uh, Elijah Mitchell, were a little worrisome last year in terms of his touch ceiling. Uh, but if Kittle is out, then I wouldn't worry about that at all. You're starting Christian McCaffrey, but you may not play him in DFS if if Elijah Mitchell is you know, healthy and McCaffrey's pricing is too high. Uh, but I think the other player to kind of keep an eye on, maybe is worth a, a dart throw is uh, Juwan Jennings. If Kittle is out because he's the third receiver there and you never know he's, he's, you know, he's kind of a 10%, 12% usage player in terms of uh, uh reception chair. Uh, so he could, he could pop his head up for a touchdown as well.
0: Cardinals are unsurprisingly, Currently, seven-point dogs in Washington, a 38-point total as they drag down whoever they play every single week with them, and Terry McLaurin questionable with the toe injury as of Wednesday. Let's start with Sam Howe because we've talked about all offseason long his rushing upside, 5.4 rushing points per game in college. How are you ranking him for week one and what we expect to be a lowly game script where Washington doesn't get pushed?
1: Yeah, he came in pretty high due to the you know expected points. Uh, I have him at uh, QB sixteen right now. That might be a little optimistic ahead of. I mean, Russell Wilson's had kind of a questionable preseason. Deshaun Watson is right below him. Um, I do like Howell's you know rushing floor. I mean, Watson gives you that as well, but um, I do think Washington scores points in this game. Uh, they're they're favored. Uh, the totals thirty eight. You know they're expected to win. Uh, I think the question. With McLaurin out, do they have enough firepower? Do they have to throw the ball much? Or do they just kind of get a couple touchdowns, you know, run Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson a lot and kind of milk the game that way? Uh, That's sort of the question. I I just don't, we just, with this Arizona team, are they even going to be able to stay in games? Do they want to stay in games? Uh, So you might, you know, it might be a 21-0 game and then, you know, we got three touchdowns from the commanders and that's it. Uh... And maybe we don't get it from the people that we want it from. But I, I do think if McLaurin sits, they have enough firepower uh, with Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel, Diami Brown has played well in spells as well. And, uh, you know, they got uh, Antonio Gibson coming out of the backfield pes- catching passes. Brian Robinson caught some passes in the preseason as well. So there's multiple ways for for Howell to get there along with his legs.
0: Agree. Also, Curtis Samuel, remember, led this team in targets for seven consecutive games. Led in targets in all of their opening games the first seven weeks. So, of course, he can do that yet again over Jahan Dotson. A sneaky flex play in deeper leagues, 14-team leagues, if you're desperate and McLaurin's ruled out. For the Cardinals, where are you trusting Marquise Brown and James Conner? Because those are the only two fantasy-relevant players outside of you know, tight end premiums that maybe someone wants to squeeze in Trey McBride if Zach Ertz is ruled out.
1: That's an interesting question with Connor because, you know, we know he's going to see the vast majority of the touches. Uh, Washington was second in just adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs last year. Of course, it's last year caveat. I've got him at 26 right now, but I'm, I'm interested to see, you know, hear your thoughts, you know, James Cook uh, below him, Jamal Williams below him, but I, you know, he'll, he'll be moving up if Kendra Miller uh, is ruled out or looks like he's limited. Brian Robinson below Connor. Uh, javante williams i think that i think he can do all right with the workload but do they actually continue to run the ball if they fall behind are they trying to win the game are they trying to establish the run when they're down 14 21 points uh he, he is able to, to contribute as a receiver but you know i just look at him like if this was a normal year and it was you know uh Kyler murray was under center and the, the, you know the, the Cardinals are at least pretending to try to win, then I would feel much more, more bullish about Connor uh, than I do. I just don't know what the mindset is for him. I'm sure he's a pro. He's going to try to go out there and do his best. But are they going to call the game in a way that's going to contribute to him getting 18 to 22 touches? Uh, the other player you asked about is Marquise Brown. I've got him ranked as a low-end wide receiver four right now. I don't know. Like, what? Who? we don't even know who's the starting quarterback here. Uh, so it's really hard to, to gauge his passing attack. I don't have, trust either one of these players, you know, implicitly.
0: For James Conner, it boils down to touchdowns on those touches, which is always concerning. And even though he rattled off seven consecutive top 15 finish, finishes for an offense last year that ranked 26th in points per game, so they did not drag him down with them. Again, the players you mentioned, I think, are in better position, honestly, than James Connor. Like, I th- I'd i rather take a chance, even if we don't expect, and I don't expect, James Cook, who didn't handle a single carry inside the five-yard line last year, even if it's the same thing, um, I'm at least taking a chance on that pass-catching work with Josh Allen over this Cardinals offense. Brian Robinson, I will definitely be higher on than a lot of people this week, because Everyone perceived that Antonio Gibson would be the pass-catching back, but he wasn't in the preseason with the team starters. It was split down the middle. And so now seven-point favorites at home against Arizona. Remember, whenever J.D. McKissick got injured for the year, Brian Robinson averaged 18 half carries per game. So we not only think we're going to get those carries, but also he mixes in on pass-catching work. So I like Brian Robinson a lot more than consensus, so much so that like I'm still battling personally myself on rosters, him starting over – Zay Flowers or Marvin Mims because it's such a good spot for him. So I I think I like them better than you than James Conner.
1: And then maybe you could comment on uh, Marquise Brown, who will make our underdog faller of the week. Producer Sal's been asking about our underdog segment.
0: Oh, I thought it was Travis Kelsey. Okay, here we go. Okay, here we go. Uh,
1: He's asking in the chat, so let's talk about him a little bit because he definitely slid down the rankings over the last couple of weeks as it's just become clear that the Cardinals are in full tank mode or at least heading that direction. Uh, I felt uncomfortable uh, drafting him over, you know, a lot of those players going in that seventh, eighth, ninth round, even. I'd rather, you know, take a, take a shot. I think Marquise Granz is a good player, but I'd rather take a shot on a team that's actually trying to win. And, you know, it's not going to shut down their veterans halfway through the seasons if they, if he picks up a hamstring injury or knee injury or something.
0: And it's like Mike Evans if you're still drafting over the next 48 hours where they both go in the same range. And honestly, it's probably not good that your best bet is if they get traded. Like if you're drafting them based on what team they're on from week 9 on. Uh, of course it's concerning because if Josh Dobbs is the starter, remember, he played against the Cowboys backups and didn't succeed last year. So what now against NFL starting defense? I, I don't know. And everyone can blindly cite Marcus Brown's 24% target share, 40% air yards last year without DeAndre Hopkins. But again, different offense, different quarterback. And now, what do those shares lead to? Because, you know, it was only one game, but in the last week of the year, those shares led to 40 receiving yards. Nothing. Doesn't matter at all. So, why do I care about the shares if they're only going to pass for 130 yards? Um, so, yeah, like you, I'm very worried. I, I don't even have my finger on the pulse. I think he should be closer to, you know, Jordan Addison, who you probably have ranked over him? I think that's that's the range Marquise Brown should be in, not a wide receiver three.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, one other thing that's kind of flying under the radar. I don't know how how far, but you know, the camp commanders defense is a great play this week. Uh, in week two, I believe the, I believe the Cardinals play the Giants. This is going to be an offense that we attack via the stream. You know, even a mediocre defense should be able to to feast on this on this offense on a weekly basis.
0: Giants defense playing the Cardinals, as you said, in the waiver wire column for everyone to get ahead in week two if you have that extra roster spot. The moment you've all been waiting for, this could have been the underdog segment, Paulson, is the Packers at the Bears. You get to talk about the Packers offense as you've wanted. Romeo Dobbs, one of the biggest question marks of the entire week since the fallout, if you know a starting wide receiver and two wide sets is out, could lead to a ton of different – target tree variation. So your thoughts if Romeo Dobbs is out, which is like what I think we're eyeing right now.
1: Yeah. Uh, Malik, Heath kind of took over for him in the preseason when he, when Dobbs sat. So it wasn't just like, like a one for one. Jaden Reed now is going to start uh, as the number two receiver. Now he might, he might've worked his way up, but Malik Keith uh, was that, was that guy in the preseason to start for Dobbs. Uh, if I remember correctly, and he had a pretty, he had a pretty good preseason as well. Um, Dobbs is the question mark, but they've got, uh, you know, Christian Watson and, uh, Reed playing quite a bit Heath. And then they've got, uh, Musgrave at tight end. Who's pretty much an every down tight end. People are sleeping on him a little bit. His drafts, you know, he's going outside the top 20, I believe in drafts. I've got him ranked at 18. I think with, with Dobbs out his, his upside's a little higher. We, we don't usually like rookie t- uh, tight ends, but there's a few this year that, you know, Laporta, Musgrave, uh, specifically maybe Kincaid, yeah, uh, and Mayer uh, out in Vegas. Uh, you know, four guys that are probably going to play a lot of snaps and, uh, you know, have, in, in the case of Musgrave and Laporta, they've locked down starting roles, and they're going to, you know, play 80 90% of the snaps on a, week, on a weekly basis. So, um, you know, this is a year where it might be the year of the rookie tight end.
0: And for Jaden Reed, I am higher on him. I had some questions about the waiver wire, uh, suggesting if you only have $100 fab, like you're actually bidding 6 to $8 on Jaden Reed, and the answer is absolutely. Because what happened along the process the last week was that everyone should have drafted Jaden Reed, like Marvin Mims. Mims moved up to the ninth to 11th round. Jaden Reed, though, still went undrafted in a lot of leagues, and that's crazy to me, given that, Like, he is the kind of player we think can break out. He had at least a 20% target share in all four seasons in college across Western Michigan and Michigan State. And then we don't know the target tree from Jordan Love. That's the biggest point. Not only that, is this ambiguous situation now through the air, but Romeo Romeo Dobbs, a fourth-round pick last year, Reed obviously has higher capital as the number 50 overall pick this season. So I just think everyone should have drafted Jaden Reed and should get much higher on him, and I would would drop – Adam Thielen, you know, those kind of, maybe probably even Tyler Boyd, maybe Jacoby Myers. I don't want those players on my roster instead of Jaden Reed, who has a chance to break out when we know what those other guys can do.
1: Yeah, you're saying prioritize the breakout over the high floor type players like Myers.
0: If Dobbs is out, the breakout could be week one. Again, we don't know who's going to lead this team in targets. Maybe it's Luke Musgrave. I don't know, but I would like to take my chance on Jaden Reed for all the reasons I listed.
1: Yeah, and uh Reed, his route running was lauded by Matt Harmon over at reception perception. Uh Romeo Dobbs route running was not. Dobbs was getting away with it with on catches. Uh he's a fairly productive player, but he his ceiling might be only so high. I actually if you look at Dobbs's uh route tree over at reception perception, he runs like half the routes really well, and the other half are terrible. And so I I uh DM'd uh Matt and I was just like is this have you ever seen this before where it's just like half green and half red and no yellow at all and he's like I have to look but he goes there is a way for for Dobbs to be a good role player if they keep him in a specific role because he is really good at certain routes not so good at others Reed, on the other hand they're also not only is he a good route runner but they're feeding, feeding him the ball on reverses like consistently in camp they did it in games so if they're giving him the ball and maybe he's getting 10 or 20 yards rushing a game that really raises his floor as well.
0: He had 20 carries in college, also threw for a touchdown, also averaged 15 yards per punt return. Just everything we want in a player, it all comes in the same little slot package, except he's a dog too. He plays so much bigger than his size. Uh, Reed is a very good player, and as we're hearing right now, luckily we won't record on Wednesdays moving forward, but we're hearing right now that Christian Watson also missed practice on Wednesday. So again, just get higher on Jaden Reed. For the Bears' backfield, we both agree that Khalil Herbert will at least start out as the team starter, even though it's probably going to be a committee between three players out the gates. But where do you rank Khalil Herbert for week one of this matchup?
1: I have him fairly high. I have him at 22, and I might be a little bit bullish. I was looking at that yesterday, uh, but, I, I, you know, the Packers were 24th adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs last year. The rush defense was kind of the Achilles heel. Uh, you know, I don't think he should be ahead of David Montgomery, uh, Raheem Mostert right below him, right? Pacheco. So that's sort of the group. Uh, I have him with. I, I, I have pretty good confidence he's going to lead this backfield in carries. I don't know how much Dante Foreman's going to be involved. I think it might be Herbert and Rashawn Johnson uh, to start. And really, do they want to get uh, Foreman, you know, consistent touches on a weekly basis when they have Herbert, who was a really good runner last year, advanced stats wise, uh, not the greatest pass catcher, but he did take one to the house in the preseason. His pass blocking gets kind of a bad rap looking at his uh, pass blocking grade last year. It was really middle of the pack. Uh, But Rashawn Johnson's pretty good in that area. So, you know, you could see Johnson in on third downs, Herbert handling most of the carries on first and second down. He should have a pretty good game if that's the case.
0: Which is really what we're looking for is not starting Rashawn in week one, but who's getting the pass catching reps since Khalil Herbert hasn't been able to earn targets uh, just a 3% and 4.4% target share in his first two seasons in the league. Certainly something to look for. And DJ Moore, of course, the only wide receiver for the Bears that we are starting, at least in week one. You mentioned the Raiders and Broncos and Russell Wilson earlier. So let's start there. How are you foreseeing this backfield playing out between Javante Williams and P. Ryan and Russell Wilson in this matchup?
1: Yeah, I'm interested in your take as well. I, I do think they are trying to limit Javante at least early in September. Like this this touch share could be 50 50 or it could be you know 60 40 in favor of P Ryan to start. I'm not expecting Javante to come out and handle 60% or more of the of the touches in this backfield in week one. It's possible, uh, but given his injury timeline, the, the priority signing of Samaje P. Ryan, his dual threat ability, I think they are going to, to try to bring Javante along fairly slowly. So right now I have Javante at 30, P. Ryan at 31. Those could be flipped. You could put P. Ryan in ahead of ahead of uh, Javante for week one, and I feel fairly confident that will work out. But the, the nice thing is for this offense is they're getting Vegas. Uh, the Raiders were 27th adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs last year. Uh, they were 29th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks, so they're just bad. They've been bad in all phases. I don't know if how much better they'll be this year. Uh, so it, it is an opportunity for the the Broncos at home to kind of beat up on a bad defense and get this thing off on the right foot. Now, if they lose this game or it's really really tight, that that could be a concern for the Broncos if they, especially if they can't produce offensively like you would expect them to produce against against Vegas. I mean, this is a has been a pretty bad defense for years. And uh, if Sean Payton is able to turn this around, you would expect it to see it start in week one with a pretty good offensive showing.
0: And Marvin Mims is also who I'm looking at here because if Jerry Judy's out, that's the big question. This offense only has four active wide receivers, Jerry Judy included, on the 53-man roster. So it boiled down to three, barring a practice squad call-up. And Mims would start in two wide receiver sets, against the same terrible defense that stayed the same, except for adding David Long from the Rams at cornerback, who was one of PFF's worst-graded quarterbacks last year. So it's just a tremendous situation for me, um, for Marvin Mims, who, if you're drafting in the next 48 hours, should be a ninth or tenth-round player, in my opinion. What about for the Raiders? Because it is a new quarterback, uh, Josh Jacobs just showing up. We haven't seen any reps thus far. We have no idea about his conditioning. We know we're starting him, but how do you see the passing game playing out from Jimmy Garoppolo?
1: You know, Garoppolo, and we're going to see if he's really a system guy with Kyle Shanahan. Uh, you know, Kyle Shanahan has a tendency to get really good quarterback numbers from everybody, um, so we'll see. He he has been very efficient in his career. I think he'll be fine uh, with regard to Devonte Adams. He's got another solid option with Jacoby Myers. Uh they they lost Darren Waller, but they added rookie Michael Mayer. Uh so that's good. And and Josh Jacobs can catch the ball out of the backfield as well. So there's enough weapons here for him to be solid, move the ball. The Denver defense was better against the pass than they were against the run last year. So if they can establish uh Jacobs, uh that would behoove them uh, you know, to kind of grind the clock a little bit and ball control. Uh but as you mentioned, we don't know <laughs> what Josh Jacobs showed up. Is, ha- is he ready for 20, 25 touches in week one? Um, if, if not, they they could rotate in Zemir White and the other backs that they have there. But obviously last year we saw that this offense really ran through Josh Jacobs uh, and he had his best season. So um, this is a, definitely a team I'm worried about. I, I'm not too worried about Devontae Adams because he's produced with any quarterback he's had. And I think Gar- Garoppolo is solid uh, just as a pure passer. Uh, but the rest of this team is is a little bit dicey, especially with Josh Jacobs, uh, re, you know, reporting so recently to camp.
0: The Dolphins and the Chargers on the West Coast are featuring the highest total on the board. Fifty-one continues to increase. May finishes the highest if the Chiefs continue to come down. If Travis Kelsey is officially ruled out, let's start with the Chargers and your thoughts on Kellen Moore's new look offense.
1: Yeah, I mean, this Chargers uh, passing attack was pretty good last year and it should get better because we we have a lot of confidence in Kellen Moore given his success in Dallas. I think he was the scapegoat for Mike McCarthy to buy another year uh, as the head coach there. Now McCarthy's going to take over the offense. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the offense last year, uh, but here we are. So as soon as Moore was available, the Chargers got rid of their OC and snatched him up. And, you know, this, this offense is really primed for great things this year. You know, Justin Herbert, uh, should have a he had a bad year last year in terms of his numbers compared to you know the trajectory that he was on uh, after his rookie season so he should bounce back into the top six or seven uh, they've got a great receiving core uh, and Gerald Everett I think is kind of flying under the radar given what uh, more uh, got out of Dalton Schultz tight end four tight end ten numbers uh, the last two seasons Gerald Everett apparently showing well in camp very involved in the passing game you know we thought he was going to be a, a cut candidate. And he stuck with the team and uh, is still the tight end one there. And uh, kind of, you know, he's flying under the radar at this point in his career. Uh, So I've got him ranked as a low end tight end one, high end tight end two. Um, Yeah, he's at 11. So this is, I'm excited to see this offense under Kellen Moore.
0: Quinton Johnson is the one player I'm worried about, at least in the first month of the season, because all reports make sense. Like Josh Palmer, playing over him to start the year. We're going to set a record for B.C. Johnson references, but yes, very similar to B.C. Johnson playing over first-rounder Justin Jefferson for three games to open the year, and then, of course, Jefferson exploded. So I am worried about Quentin Johnson, but the good news is that having run 90% of his routes from the boundary at TCU, having run 93% of his routes from the boundary in the preseason, Quentin Johnson's not a threat to the slot, What should we really need to take Keenan Allen off the field is for Mike Williams to play his highest career rate from the slot. Maybe that happens under Kellen Moore, but I'll believe it when I see it. So the two players I still think are the focal point, no matter what this offense looks like, are Keenan Allen, who's not coming off the field, and Mike Williams, and then maybe we get Quentin Johnson involved. And that also, Paulson, is why I am personally slightly worried about Gerald Everett, because I don't know how he earns targets behind those two players, a first-round wide receiver and Austin Eckler. Like, that's a lot of mouths to feed. Maybe that does just lead to saying uh, Justin Herbert should be rostered and drafted everywhere. For the Dolphins, the target tree is concerted with two on the field last year. Tyreek Hill, 32.5% targets here. Jalen Waddle, much lower at 22%. The next closest is Mike Josicki with 9% of the team's targets. The ball's not going anywhere else. So, what we're really trying to figure out is what does this backfield look like without Jeff Wilson and Devon A. Chain battling a shoulder injury? Likely will play. But A-Chain listed as the team's third running back. So your thoughts on Moster for week one.
1: Yeah, A chain kind of came out of the draft and we were thinking, oh, he could uh, you know, have a 10 to 15 touch roll, five receptions maybe, you know, as part of that. He's had a tough time in camp working his way up the depth chart. And I think if Jeff Wilson were healthy, uh, he he would be listed as the RB4, probably behind Ahmed as well. Um, so, I think he's just sort of a spot guy that they're going to, if he's healthy, they're going to try to work him in for a handful of snaps and get him some touches. Like they'll design some touches for him, but I don't think he's going to be starter worthy at the start of the, you know, fantasy starter worthy at the start of the season. Um, Mostert looks like a really solid uh, play. I mean, there's, you know, Ahmed might eat into his carries a bit, but we've seen Mostert in the, Lead back role before he's very likely to see twelve plus carries, uh, a few receptions uh, at a minimum. Uh, he's got the four three speed. He understands Mike McDaniel's system, uh, so I think he's a really solid RB two, you know, low end RB two type play. Um, the, I think as the, as the season wears on, we did get word that from Drew Rosenhaus, uh, Jeff Wilson's agent, that he's expected to be back very close to week five when he's eligible to come off of IR. So there was that concern that he was going to miss the entire season. I don't know what Rosenhaus's motivations would be to lie about that. So yeah, I, I wonder, but uh, we'll, we'll probably know. I think week five, if he's not, you know, activated and back at practice that something's going on there, but usually the agent doesn't comment on that type of stuff, but they, they were, there was some concern based on McDaniel's comment you know why do we why do we go to oh he might be back this season or i expect that he might be back this season that was a, that, just going to very dire kind of language that might have been just mike mcdaniel saying the wrong thing or describing it the wrong way or trying to be coy when but we'll see we'll see uh i think in, in the short term though moster is the priority uh especially with a chain kind of struggling a little bit and ahmed did have a good uh camp so he's sort of the short-term rb2 there if you wanted to have some upside on your bench
0: Yes, Mostert, a terrific flex option, as you mentioned, low-end RB2. But depending how you drafted, maybe you can't squeeze Mostert in. So not not a, not a an automatic flex, but certainly someone we'd feel very confident flexing if that's the way your roster worked out. Eagles at the Patriots. And the real question we have here is, what does the Eagles' backfield look like? As I mentioned throughout the offseason, we haven't seen the Eagles passing ceiling. We haven't seen what all these players can do, which sounds crazy, but again, against the league's easiest schedule by all metrics and all accounts last year, 17 and a half pass attempts a game for Jalen Hurts in the first half compared to just 11 and a half in the second half because the Eagles trailed for a league low in plays in the second half. Their schedule was so easy, they just padded leads via the run. But now if anyone can push them, now for a full season outlook, we're going to get all the volume and all that goodness through the air. I don't know if they're going to necessarily get pushed in New England, but I'm excited for it, Paulson, because I do think it's a situation where we finally see the Patriots' offense bounce back. Uh, but your thoughts on Eagles' backfield first.
1: Well, it's nice that they actually have an offensive mind running their offense. Bill O'Brien now, instead of a defensive coordinator, Matt Patricia, calling the plays. Uh, so Who was, is that's...
0: not even not even their DC. He He's... His promotion was like defensive coordinator assistant, senior defensive assistant, I think is what his label is now.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, we might get some some more out of the Patriots offense. Uh, this is actually, I think, a good opportunity to just kind of take a pass if you can on this backfield, not start swift, not start gain well, and see what this t- uh, touch share looks like before having to roll them out there because the Patriots were fifth in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs last year. They gave up the seventh fewest rushing yards last year. Uh, They get the least uh, tied for least number of rushing touchdowns last year was seven Uh, them and the Steelers uh, yielded seven rushing touchdowns. And if there is a rushing touchdown, uh, as all likelihood, it's going to be Jalen Hurts uh, scoring it uh, uh, with the butt push or whatever they do there. Uh, So I would, you know, I don't have any of those guys ranked high, but I'm very interested to see what the snap and touch shares are amongst Swift, Gainwell and Penny this this week. It's just, I want to sit back and just see what happens and then kind of go from there.
0: And I don't mind starting Gainwell uh, if that's the way your roster dictates. You drafted him in the 10th, 12th round, and you don't have another starting running back because you lost some. I'll be starting Gainwell as my RB2 just based on drafting early wide receivers in a lot of leagues, and I'm comfortable with it. I did mention the Patriots, and that's the most exciting part because everyone says, like, well, this offense can't have a ceiling, even though we're only a full year removed from Matt Jones' rookie year, when they did have a ceiling. They were top 10 in points and yards per drive. And so now with Bill O'Brien running 12 personnel, um, also remember last year was Bill Belichick's first offense, 22 years coaching this team. First offense with the Patriots that averaged less than 61 plays per game, and they averaged 59. We just think everything is going to bounce back and regress for the Patriots' offense. So I'll be talking about this on DFS MVP for a lot of people. I think this game could be hot. I think we get a lot of points in this game, and I'm excited for it.
1: Yeah, Juju's in there as the slot. Devontae Parker, good contested catch guy. Kendrick Bourne has touchdown upside. We've seen that in the past. Hunter Henry at tight end. Mike Asiky at tight end. And Ramondre Stevenson catching passes out of the backfield. There's there's some upside here.
0: What about Ramondre Stevenson, as you mentioned, because? I have Ezekiel Elliott as an RB five or six. Like the only way he returns value in my opinion, unless his usage is much more than we think is by falling into the end zone, just like hitting his center's ass and falling backwards twice. So outside of that outcome, like, where are you ranking Stevenson now?
1: Well, I think he's, he's my RB nine. I think he's a solid, I, I, you know, there's a little bit of concern there. You see him get the, the rushing touchdown in the preseason. I don't think we're too concerned about the the goal line. Maybe he doesn't get all the goal line cut uh, touches like he was probably going to get prior um, maybe he's splitting those with, with Ezekiel Elliott, but I don't. I, I'm not too concerned about that. Moving on to Rams
0: Seahawks, which could have been fun, but without Cooper Cup, I even without Jamal Adams and Devin Witherspoon in this game and Seahawks secondary, I just don't know what the Rams can do here. Like I, I began the week so excited about this one, and now I'm just like, yeah, Geno Smith, of course, low in QB one, starting him against this soft Rams defense that has eight starters as rookies on defense. And then, of course, the target share is concerted since JSN is probably going to be limited to open the week. Kenneth Walker hammering it down their throats in the second half. Other than that, though, like, if we don't get Cooper Cup, who's reportedly likely out, I just don't know what we're looking at here, Paulson.
1: Uh, Yeah, can they keep up with the Seahawks? They can't. Uh, The only thing, the only interesting player, I guess there's two interesting players for me with the Rams. Uh, You know, uh, Akers might be limited in terms of how many touches he can get. So I would look at Higby, uh, very high target share probably in this game, and Van Jefferson as a desperation-type flex, uh, maybe see 68 targets. He's really the only receiver I have a lot of confidence in at this point. I mean, there's Tutu Atwell. Uh, there's the rookie, uh, Puka, uh, as well. But we just don't know, you know what the route distributions are. We, we do know that Jefferson will play a lot. We know that Higby will play a lot. So those, those are the guys that might see some garbage time you know, stats in the second half as the Rams try to get back in the game.
0: As I noted in the waiver column, Van Jefferson and Tutu Atwell closed the year playing seven games together. And it was Van Jefferson who averaged 8.6 PPR points to Atwell 6.1 points. Van Jefferson is certainly the wide receiver replacement for Cooper Cup. But yes, we both agree that Tyler Higby 24.7% target share team high mark without Cooper Cup on the field last year to close the season Higby's the player you certainly want. I don't know if he'll gain a yard falling forward, but who cares when you get 20 catches? So that's the way we are certainly viewing the Rams offense. Moving moving on to Sunday night, Cowboys at the Giants, which really is being known as the Tony Pollard renaissance because the team waived Malik Davis, leaving only Rico Dowdle and Deuce Vaughn behind him, which tells us, Paulson, Pollard is absolutely a top five back for this week.
1: Yeah, I got him at number two, uh, which probably raises some eyebrows having him ahead of Christian McCaffrey. Uh, so he should see the vast majority of the touches at the Giants. Giants were middle of the road against the run last year, but Pollard, we we talked about him several times in the podcast. We both love him. RB7 last year, and that was with Ezekiel Elliott in the same backfield. He's gone. Dowdle might get some work, uh, but not too concerned about him eating into it. It's just going to be a, you know, so he can catch a rest, catch a breather. Uh, not really sitting out a whole drive because they want to get Dowdle involved in the game.
0: Also for the Cowboys, it's pretty easy. Pollard, CeeDee Lamb, Jake Ferguson, who we both like a lot if you need that replacement tied in. But what are you doing with the ancillary options like Brandon Cooks, Michael Gallup, who could also get there, but people may have flex questions about them.
1: I definitely have uh, Cooks ahead of Gallup based on what I'm hearing out of camp. Cooks has looked excellent. Uh, good quarterback obviously with uh, Dak Prescott uh, should be a strong passing game but we'll see what Mike McCarthy wants to do with this whole establish the run thing uh, but I have pretty good confidence in Cooks uh, he's produced pretty much everywhere he's been uh, and I've got him ranked as a low-end wide receiver three this week uh, against a you know m- middle of the road secondary with the with the Giants I'm also very interested for the Giants uh, with Darren Waller uh, to see if he like he's one of the few guys that has a legit chance to lead his team in targets at the tight end position. So if if they, if they continue what they were doing in the preseason, uh, featuring him, uh, he could really pay off. That you know the early fourth, fifth round ADP that he had uh, could really pay off for for fantasy managers.
0: I'm not necessarily worried about Daniel Jones in this matchup against Soul Eater Micah Parsons especially given the high total 46 and a half compared to the rest of the board. But some people may be concerned. So where do you have Daniel Jones ranked?
1: I have him at 10. I think the rushing floor gets him there. Uh, Even if Dallas was third in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks last year, uh, Jones can get there multiple ways and his weapons are improved and Dallas should put up some points. So this should, this should be a, you know, higher scoring game.
0: And finally closing out a week one preview show on Wednesday where we are waiting for injury reports and everything else bills at the jets. And it begins with Aaron Rodgers. That's where the focus is going to be. Uh, and one of his toughest tests to open the year against the bills defense. So you're ranking on Aaron Rodgers, And basically does anyone else get there in the passing game except Garrett Wilson?
1: I would say probably not. Uh, there are dart throws. Uh, Garrett Wilson is the player that we have confidence in. Uh, we know that Rodgers likes them from watching Hard Knocks. Uh, they're they they vibing pretty well. I have Rogers as a middle of the road QB two this week at 19. Uh, Buffalo second adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. They've been tough on the quarterback position for for years now. So this is a, this is definitely a tough test. And I'm you know watching Hard Knocks again. This offensive line for the Jets. I'm wondering how quickly they're able to gel and get it together because there were some definitely some uh, frustrating moments for Rodgers uh, being under pressure co- constantly uh, in those joint practices. Uh, so we'll see if that line is able to hold up. Uh, it could get ugly if, if, the, if the Bills are able to really get to Rodgers consistently and get, get their hands on him, that could affect him.
0: What about the Jets' backfield? Because some people may be forced to start if They bought the dip in the fifth or sixth round. Maybe they drafted Dalvin Cook, thinking that he was going to lead this team in touches to open the year. So Cook and Hall against Buffalo.
1: Yeah, this is one where I'm going to be watching the practice reports to see if, you know, either these guys are limited or if they're full practice uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Uh, and then since it's Monday night, also Saturday. So that's sort of going to dictate it. If they're both full, I sort of expect uh, Dalvin to push hall early in the season it's kind of a similar situation to the p ryan uh, javante williams as they probably are trying to get hall this team thinks they're going to go to the super bowl they're going to go on a deep playoff run it's important for them to have hall ready for the late for december late late in the year the playoffs they're not going to run him 20 times uh, in week one against a a good bills defense so we'll probably see a 50 50 split it might even favor dalvin if he he and his bulky shoulder are fully healthy. So that's a whole other aspect to this. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to be watching the practice reports. I have them ranked very close right now at 32 and 34. It's a bad matchup. And you're, you're probably looking at 12 to 14 touches apiece for the two of them.
0: And for Buffalo, I'm sure everyone would just like to know where you have James Cook ranked and Dalton Kincaid, since those are the only real question marks among that offense.
1: Yeah, Kincaid's interesting uh, how many snaps he's going to play. Is he going to be out there? How many routes really? As you mentioned earlier, it's not so much the snaps. It's the number of routes they run. If he's running a lot of routes with Josh Allen, he'll eventually pay off. Um, Dalvin Cook, or I'm sorry, James Cook, his brother, uh, I have him ranked at 27. Jets are 12th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs last year. They have a very good de- uh, defensive line. I'm a little worried about his production in this game, uh, but he can do it uh, running and catching the ball and they do want they've been trying to get their running backs to catch the the more passes in this offense they've been signing guys that are pass catchers drafting james cook um so i'm I'm, i think he's going to get get his yardage i don't know if he's gonna score a touchdown uh so i have him ranked as a high-end rb3 this week this is you know he's one of these guys in this in this 20 to 30 range where very interested to see the snap shares and touch shares in this backfield
0: with that being said Gabriel Davis, one more before we get out of here. Uh, your thoughts on Gabriel Davis. Return from injury after the bye week. Six games with at least 20% of the team's targets. Maybe a fringe flex option for some. Where are you ranking him against the Jets? I've
1: yeah, got him at 32. Jets were tops in the league and adjusted fantasy points allowed to, to, to receivers. So it's very, very stingy secondary for the Jets. Uh, but Josh Allen is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Uh, Stefan Diggs is going to draw most of the attention. So I would not be surprised if Davis scores a touchdown. We should never be surprised if Gabriel Davis scores a touchdown because he's had 17 in his last 24 games. Uh, he definitely can score touchdowns. Uh He's also a threat for a very low floor game. He's, he's more of a downfield threat than than Diggs is. And, uh, you know, he's so he's got a low floor and a high ceiling uh, like he does every week.
0: I didn't even think we'd go an hour 10 today because – We are still learning about the 2023 season, but that means I'm very excited for next week. We have a lot more data and can explain these players in depth for start sits and situations for the rest of the year, beginning Thursday next week. Paulson, what else do you have on the site for everyone right now?
1: Uh, Just, you know, stay in tune with the draft rankings. If you need to, uh, if you're still drafting, Uh, otherwise we'll be shutting those off on Thursday or Friday. And uh, I'll be weekly rankings from here on out. I'm trying to keep them both updated as the news breaks. Uh, but for sure, I'll be doing a full ranking sweep on week one, uh, rest of day today and uh, on Thursday uh, in between my dental appointments. Uh, but just this is the time where you really have to pay attention. You might want to make a late swap. You might want to make a pickup. If you, if you see an inj- a player injured like uh, Travis Kelsey or Cooper Cup, they drop out. You might want to add a Van Jefferson or an Earl Grey. You gotta pay attention because a lot, a lot of it happens right before the season.
0: Injury reports flying again every Tuesday, every Thursday, two p.m. Eastern. We will be back with this very show with much more information. So until then, my waiver wire column on the site for everyone. If you're asking about last round picks, just look at the waiver wire rankings because so that tells you a player like Jaden Reed should be drafted over one of those bums you're about to draft and not start. So until next week. We'll be back and remember to be a little bit kind in of what's fine.